Welcome to the Center Church Dubai. We are a church built and centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ours is the story of a faithful God who saved imperfect people by His grace, united them by the love of Christ, and sent them out to bring many more to Him. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everybody. It is truly God's grace that we get to meet every week to worship Him and to listen to His Word. So let's start by praying and then we'll jump into the text of Luke 12. Uh, great and merciful Lord, we submit ourselves unto you in this time. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we may see you for who you are through your word today, that we may be convicted for the reality that uh, we live in, and that we may look to you, uh, that our trust and our security may be in you and you alone. So please help us, Lord, as we look at this text, and this parable that you have so graciously given us. Thank you, Lord, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, we pray and ask for these things. I don't know how many of you remember, but when we were young, Pizza Hut had this uh, had this offer of a meal where if you, when you buy a pizza meal, they give you like a salad plate. And they used to have this fantastic salad bar. And uh, the deal was that you could visit the salad bar once and you were allowed to f go only once and whatever you fill in that plate is what you could have for the rest of your meal. And that was probably the most entertaining part of the whole experience because uh, people, whatever nationality they were, their aim was to fill that plate with as much as they could. And you'd see like mountains of salad, mountains of vegetables. People who have never eaten vegetables also probably would fill that plate up. And then the topping is this thousand island dressing. It's dripping along the side of the plates. And it was, it, I mean, even if you didn't like vegetables, it looked delicious. And then there's this rush back to the table to enjoy it with the hot pizza that gets served on the table. But... Uh, that was that was the that was the the experience, and there was this sense of satisfaction. Oh, I've got the, I've maximized that space that was there, and enjoying it. Now, when we look at finance, wealth, possessions, experiences, all these uh, aspects or other areas of life, there's a sense that we look at life in the same way. We've got only one life. And we need to accumulate, we need to get and garner as much as we can because it's so short, just a short time. And then we run the race. But then we are, then there's a sense that, hey, that's, that's the right thing to do. That's, that's, what, that's what we're called to do with the resources that we have. And it becomes sensitive if someone comes and asks us, hey, is this the right thing to do? Are you using your finances or are you doing this is this the right thing to do that gets very sensitive that's where people start getting very defensive hey let's stop this discussion now or who are you to ask this question and it's a very sensitive topic and and that's probably because maybe we haven't taken a step back and we've asked the lord lord is this is this is this is this something that you are joyful about the way that i'm looking at my resources the way that i'm using my resources Sometimes we can, we can just be saying, hey, when there's a need, I always give. So then what's the problem when I accumulate on the side? What's the problem? And we don't come to the word of God to see, hey, Lord, what is it that you want me to do with these resources? 
And that's a teaching that the Lord's giving us here in this in, uh, uh, through the parable and through this encounter with this man that's there. So as we look at this passage, we look at two broad points, and there are some sub-points, but two broad points. The first one is God's rebuke for pursuing worldly riches. That's from verse 13 to 15. And the second point is God's counsel for pursuing true riches. That's until from 16 to 21. This is what we'll be looking at. And as we look at this, I, I pray and I hope that you will ask the Lord to convict us if our pursuits are worldly or are they godly? Is this accumulation worldly or godly? Or in other words, is this to make ourselves rich or to be rich toward God? What is the goal of our pursuits? So let's look at the first one, God's rebuke for pursuing worldly riches. So this is a continuation of what we looked last week. So just to put things in context, now there are thousands of people gathered together and we saw this and there's so many that they're trampling on each other and they're all and Jesus is now speaking to his disciples and the others are having the privilege of overhearing all that the Lord's teaching his disciples and what it means what are the privileges of being a disciple of Jesus and we see Jesus teaching the disciples to beware of hypocrisy which stems out of fear of man and then Jesus points them to the triune God who loves them so uniquely and so intimately that he knows the very number of hair on our heads and each one is having different number which means that he loves each one personally and uniquely and they are very precious to God and as Jesus is speaking these divine truths someone in the crowd interrupts Jesus and brings an irrelevant problem with respect to what Jesus is teaching and here's what he says teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me And this man addresses Jesus' teacher, and rightly so, because in those days, rabbis were the people that people would go to for issues like this. They wouldn't go to the civil court. They'd go to a rabbi to amicably somehow settle this internally and get a solution. And this man has seen Jesus. There's a large number of people, and he's teaching divine truth. So he is a rabbi. And he assumed that, hey, this Jesus is the person that can help sort this problem out for me. And he comes to Jesus because he's identified two problems. One, that his brother is wrong and that he needs to be corrected. And second, that he needs this inheritance to be happy. Or or maybe even to feel a sense of security for his future because that's the point of inheritance. And Jesus refuses to indulge in this man's request because it has stemmed from hatred and from greed. So Jesus rebukes this man and he says... Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? It's a stern question. Stern question. Now, Jesus is a judge, and he will judge when he returns again. But this this time, he hasn't come to sort out inheritance issues between people. He has come to save us from our sins. He's come for the salvation of all mankind. And then he says... And it's a warning that he gives. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now Jesus is not saying that, hey, you're not supposed to work and earn money. He's not saying that that if God has given you a, a sense of abundance, that's wrong. He's not saying that you're not supposed to possess anything. That's not what he's saying. But God is warning us of a heart or an attitude 
that is preoccupied preoccupied with with having less money or more money or less things or the desire for more things or preoccupied with wanting to earn more or preoccupied with seeking to uh, have more save more the warning is to a heart that is not satisfied and always wants more now why does jesus give this warning why because the world teaches and has deceived many that that if you have a lot then your life is good and your future is set and this is in a sense what they call as materialism of being materialistic it has deceived many but let me give you some examples so that we relate to who these warning to to some of the application of what this warning is applied to this can be people who feel that the more money i have the more secure i will be in the future so today i have to accumulate as much as i can because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow there's a sense maybe to feel that the higher salary you earn the more comfortable and peaceful your life will be so you seek so you seek in to grow in your career and as much as you can you do all that it is so that you get more into your life now let me cautiously extend this application it could be maybe the uh, a sense where you feel the better or the more educational degrees i have or if i give my children the more successful that they will be so we pursue our goals with just this one thing in sight what about my future or my child's future maybe it could be a sense where you feel that they hey, the more properties i have today the more savings i have the more investments i make the more insurances i have i can have now which means that i can retire earlier i can i can relax which is a problem for this man which we will come to maybe it could be even the more likes i have to a social media post that helps me see how much i am liked the more i have the more it gives me that sense of satisfaction the sense of accomplishment so i check others posts i check my posts i compare and i want more and more the the warning of jesus applies to all now maybe we feel that hey i don't have that much money but look at the people who are hearing jesus in those days those are people who have just probably just have enough to live for one day and many even don't don't even have that that's the that's the context that's the audience of jesus but the and jesus still tells this to all of them and gives the parable also for all of them so the issue of seeking abundance is the same for everyone without exception consider the ways that we speak about other people's wealth when we see someone living in affluence the way we speak oh they can afford it look at them they enjoy it their future is okay and we, sometimes we say it with a secret lust that we wish we had that or maybe a misunderstanding that feels that hey a lot of my life problems would have been sorted if i were in that shoes the issue of desiring abundance is the same for everyone but in different degrees and as we consider our lives as we consider our lives it's very difficult sometimes we for us to discern are we in this pursuit or not and that's where the word of god comes because we would like to justify that hey our pursuit is right our desires are right because you could have a very good reason for pursuing but the point is are we doing all this 
to be rich here or to be rich toward God. And that's what God's trying to teach here. And that's where God's teaching through this parable. And he's giving us this parable to help convict our hearts, to teach our hearts, to see the dangers of greed. And what is it that we're called to be rich towards to? And that's where we come to our second point, which is God's counsel for pursuing true riches. And this we are first going to see in the, in the beginning of the parable, we're going to see what are the signs of a worldly heart. And then we'll come to uh, the signs of being rich toward God. So the signs of a worldly heart. Now let's look at the parable. So Jesus tells us about the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Now until this point, there's no problem. It's not that the man is rich. That's not the problem. It's not that the land produced plentifully. That's also not the problem. Because for a land to, be, to produce plentifully, the hand of God has to be there. Only God allows the land to be plentiful. No one else can do that. Man can do all that he can, but the produce comes from God. So when does the problem arise? Let's look at verse 17. And he thought to himself, What shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? Now, someone wrote that uh, in that area where this man lived, even the poorest man who was just able to manage his family did not have a more anxious heart as this rich man. What to do with all the abundance that I have? And the question has revealed the anxiety of this man because his heart is selfish and greedy. He's not concerned about acknowledging that God is the provider. God is the reason for this plentiful of the land. There is no sign of gratitude. There is no sign of thanksgiving. There is no concern about what God would want him to do. There's no regard for God at all. The question is, what shall I do? Are we faced with similar questions in our lives? Maybe we want to we wanna do something. We want to buy something. We want to invest in something. Do you, have, do, do you have this anxiety that this man has faced when you ask yourself, what shall I do for this to happen? And maybe you're worried because maybe you can't afford it and you still want it. Or maybe because you want to get the resource and you're worried how is this going to affect your current lifestyle. But the reason for the question is much deeper than we think. And we will come back to this question in a, sh in a short while. But let us see what this rich man in the parable does. There are a few things that we can learn from this. But we look at only three points to help convict us if our hearts are worldly or not. There are three I will statements this man makes. He says, uh, and he says in verse 18, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Let me focus on three points to reveal a worldly heart. The first one is a worldly heart pursues worldly growth. Or in familiar jargon, a worldly heart pursues for more blessings, materialistic blessings. See this man. All that he has has been given to him by God. All that he has. But this man does not acknowledge this and he decides to take over all his wealth. 
this god given wealth is now become my wealth his wealth it's not god's anymore it's mine it is all his now when it is his now he needs to take the call on how to preserve it and how to grow it god is not in control anymore and he does this to keep his future secure secure and then what does he do he takes matters in his own hands and then he has to decide and he feels that only when he decides and takes action will he be able to achieve what he wants and how does he do that he hoards by accumulating as much as he can today preparing for his future now come back to the question what shall i do for i've got so much of crop and ask this why does he feel that he needs to ask himself this question why doesn't he put this question towards god god what do you want me to do because he does not see how much god cares for him how much god loves for him even in the midst of his abundance god loves and cares in in ways that we cannot even imagine and a lot of us struggle with this and we are afraid to receive many we are afraid because what if god takes away all this and that's why some of these passages where god jesus says go sell your possessions to the poor or or forsake everything and follow me this becomes a challenge for us because we do not see god as our provider we've tried to take matters into our own hands and when that happens we want to take the decisions to protect ourselves and our future and this is what this rich man has done and this comes from a misunderstanding of god's love it's not understanding how much he loves us and we take matters into our own hands and we seek to protect and increase all that god has given us and we do this secretly and justly with proper justifications do you do this do you fear what shall i do is this a question that plagues you and you ask this because you've got you've got the money you've got the wealth you've got the friends you've got all that you need but then i need to protect and i need to increase them for my future have you taken ownership of all that the lord has given you a worldly heart rejects god and seeks to increase in their own ways in their own wisdom because they do not trust god as the true provider and they do not see how much he loves them that's why a worldly heart pursues worldly growth because they don't trust god the second point a worldly heart is always selfish look at this man's pursuits this man's pursuits are selfish now when he considers all that he has taken over is his and his alone his plans involve only himself and no one else he is not concerned about anyone else nobody he's not concerned he's not he's got abundance he's not talking about just sufficiently he's got an abundance he's not concerned to see around is there, are there people is there anyone else in need he does not share the abundance with the workers or their families he wants to hold everything for his future use 
Now in Acts 20, 35, Jesus teaches that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now consider the ways that we give others and that we save. When we say, will we ever reach a point where we can say, hey, Lord, thank you. I have saved enough and you've shown this to me. I don't need to save anymore. Now what I have, I want to give for your kingdom's sake. Will we ever reach that point? Can we reach that point? Because Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, a lover of money will never be satisfied. How do you know you're a lover of money? Are you satisfied with when to stop saving? How do we know? But when, when the Lord comes to us, we sense to, we, there's a sense where we justify saying, I need it for all of this. But reflect and see, are these all this purely for your selfish pursuits? Have you thought about the kingdom's sake when you think of your savings? We all know there's always some need or the other. Always some need or the other. Do we save in times of abundance knowing fully well that then that time of need will come? So let me save today so that when the time comes, I've got sufficient to give and help for the sake of God's body, for the sake of the body of Christ. Do we do this? Do we look at our savings in this manner? Or are they all selfish just for me and, and, and my family? That's it. For me to be secure in the future. So that I don't have to beg in the future. So that I don't have to be dependent on others in the future. For those who feel they have little, do we save so that we can achieve what we have not been able to achieve? Is that our goal? Or can we find the kingdom purpose? Because a worldly heart is always selfish, looking after their own. They don't look outside. And this is what this, this rich man is doing. The Lord has given him all this. And he now wants to keep it for himself so that his future will be secure. Ask the Lord to show us the purpose of our savings. Is it worldly? Is it in the direction of being worldly, more and more worldly? Or is it in the direction of being rich toward God? And then we come to the third point, which is a worldly heart rejects eternal life. A worldly heart rejects eternal life. Look at this man's pursuit. It was only for this life's experiences. There's nothing more. He was doing everything so that he could relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And why relax? Because his dependence was on all that he has accumulated. He didn't need God. He doesn't need to know what's going to happen later. It's all about this life. Now, do we struggle with these thoughts? Because look at the plans that you have for your future. Do you have a plan? And what is it? Is it, is it about what home you would like, where you would like to see grandchildren, what position you want to be in? Is that your plan for your future? And are all these pursuits today Moving towards ensuring that these are met, your plans are met. I need to buy this house, so I need to accumulate this much. I need to do this. And not just that, once I have it, I need to sustain it also. So I need to keep saving so that I can sustain it. 
until the day the Lord calls me. We're going to see how foolish that is now. But we see that this man is like this. This man's focus was not in eternity and only on his life on this earth. Not on God's kingdom, but his own kingdom. A worldly heart rejects eternal life. And such is a worldly heart which focuses on time, only on time on this earth. But let's look at what word it is on this man. Because in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the world, this man is very wise. Because whatever he's doing, he's doing it right because there's plentiful. Something that he's doing is right and we want to do that. And all that he's doing is working out well. And look at the way he's preparing for his future. And, we, and when people see, they say, and then naturally they would say, hey, this guy's future is set. This guy's comfortable life he's going to have. And we say that hoping that we too are in that position, that we too can have that sense of peace and satisfaction. This is how the world looks at it. And it's almost the same things that we would say when we see rich people today amongst us and outside. When we see them prospering. But look at God's verdict on this man. He calls him, you fool. What the world considers wise, God has called foolish. What this man has thought accumulation of everything was wise. What the world around had seen as this is the right thing to do. God has called foolish and called that man fool. And why? Because all the focus on this world did not prepare him for what happens when he dies and faces God. Nothing prepared him for this. All the preparation here and he was not going to enjoy it. And in addition to that, now he has to face God at the same time. All his plans, all of this. And Jesus says, so is the one who stores up or lays. Ask the Lord to convict us, to convict you if you have been foolish in the way that you've been pursuing your life goals. Only the Lord can convict you on this when you come into the light of his love. This is what we're trying to do week after week, point you to God, point you to Jesus so that these actual, the reality of your lives will be shown. We are fools if we think that the abundance of riches or possessions or relationships will keep our life secure today and in the future. It's a foolish way of looking at life. But Jesus, out of concern for his disciples, points them to the need to be rich toward God. And we look at three points on what it means to be rich toward God. The first one is seeing God as our greatest treasure. It's a common theme week after week. But ask the Lord to show us. In Matthew 6.20 and later you're going to look at Luke 12.33. We see Jesus teaching that we are to lay up treasures in heaven and not on earth. What does that mean? It means that we see God as our greatest treasure. We see that we want to, we, our life plan is about drawing closer to God. It's about enjoying the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. 
And we want to know him through Jesus because he is infinitely more rewarding. He is he's infinitely pleasurable. He's infinitely satisfying than anything else this world can offer. And this is an anti-rich man of the parable. He doesn't see God as his greatest treasure. He sees his abundance, his God-given abundance. But we are to see God as our greatest treasure. Only he can allow us to do that. He's so important. We treat him as so important that I want to live for him. I want to spend time studying the word of God. I want to spend time with godly brothers and sisters discussing matters of eternity. Because they're critical. They are more important than wondering where to invest, what to buy. Let not riches deceive us from this pursuit. Because riches has got this strange ability to deceive us and distract us. But see God as our greatest treasure. Second, enjoy being God's child. That's what it means to be rich towards God. It's, it's not just knowing, but enjoying being God's child. We see how much he loves us. And this is what we saw last week. We see that he cares incredibly for us. And it's a reminder again that God loves us and we respond to him in worship with all our heart because he is worthy. We enjoy knowing that God is our father in Christ Jesus through whom we are saved. We enjoy knowing that Christ died for us on the cross and that the sin that plagues us this attachment to finances, this attachment to the world can be overcome because God has allowed us through Jesus. And we see also that the Jesus has resurrected and he's sitting at the right hand of God, which means there's eternity at stake for us. As children of God, time here is just a transition to what, we, what is coming up. And we see this glorious plan and we enjoy in it today. We find comfort and rest in that today. So trust God. Trust God to keep your eternal life safe in his hands. Let him be your security and your guarantee. Do not trust riches for your future. Do not put your faith on materialistic abundance for your future. But trust and put your faith in God because he is your father in heaven. He is your father in heaven. And you are his child. And finally, care for others as God does. Don't be like the rich man. We've got everything but no concern for the people around. We care for others because God cares for them. Only one who is rich toward God can care for others can truly care for others. And what do I mean by that? It doesn't mean that you help one person, two person, and that you feel good. That's not what this caring is. This caring is caring for even those that you don't agree with. That you care for them as God does. That you work together knowing that there is always, there is maybe difference of opinion, but we care for their soul with the abundance that we have. 
Maybe you have an abundance of love. Maybe you have an abundance of mercy. Maybe you have an abundance of fear. Whatever it may be. God gives it so that you can give it to the others. Let our aims not be selfish. Let our pursuits in life not be selfish. See and reflect how others can benefit from all that the Lord has given us. Whatever it may be. Let our God-given resources be used to serve others and not just me and my family and the people that I want. Just reflect on this. Are there people thanking the Lord because they are benefiting from your God-given resources? Whether it be time, money, knowledge, whatever it may be. Are there people thanking the Lord for the resources that God has given you? That's a reflection of how it is to be rich toward God. So brothers and sisters, we are called to be rich toward God. And that's because God has been rich towards us. He has given his only son and there's no cost, no price that can be greater than that. He has shown us what it means to be rich. And he has called us into this rich relationship. We are all fellow heirs in the kingdom of God. And our richness is in heaven with him. Enjoying that relationship. And that's what he's called us to. But the warning here is given to all of us. Because this is a problem. This can be a problem for all of us. We can feel a sense of security if we have a large bank balance. But let your security not be in that. Let it be unto Christ who has called you. And listen to the call that he has called us to. As we looked at last week and this week. That the, the triune God cares for us. Just imagine this again. That the hair on your heads are numbered. And each one is so uniquely with a different number. But he knows that so intimately, so passionately, and so personally. And that's what we're called to. And he wants us to see this so that we can put our trust in him and him alone. That we may not be worried about the future. We may not be uh, uh, carried away or preoccupied, our minds preoccupied. With what the world is telling us to do. That you need more. We don't need more of things. We need more of Jesus in our lives. We need him to increase and us to decrease. And this is the call for all of us today my brothers and sisters. Do not be deceived by riches or the cares of the world. But look to the one who has called us. Where we find rest. Where we find where we can put our trust on. Look at the Savior who has called us. So let me read this once again from uh, Luke's, uh, Luke's passage. Brothers and sisters, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But be rich toward God, for he is our Father in heaven. We hope you were encouraged by today's sermon. Please visit our website 
cc-dubai.com for more information on Center Church Dubai. If you know someone who will be blessed by this sermon, please share this podcast link so they can stay updated.